And I'm excited about today and, and excited about all that God's already done today. Uh, we've been able to see uh, folks who took their next step in baptism, proclaiming their faith in Christ, and uh, we've been able to celebrate that at nine. Uh, I ended up, um, long story short, I ended up having to go into the waters in my jeans and t-shirt, so I had a change of clothes. I'm, somehow I got these jeans that they're not boot cut. I'm a redneck, so I normally wear boot cut. These are an athletic cut is what they're called. They're kind of snug around my ankles, so this is the closest thing to skinny jeans you'll ever see me wear, okay? I just want to make that clear. I'm not sort of on this trend of moving towards skinny, just wanted to let you know, not that there's anything wrong with skinny jeans, God loves you too, but you know. All right, so Veterans Day is today, and we want to recognize the veterans, that's something to celebrate, right? If, if today you are serving um, currently in the armed forces or have served in the armed forces, would you stand if you can? If not, can you, would you raise your hand? But if you're here, we want to recognize you and thank you for that. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So thankful for the men and women who have served and are serving this country and the sacrifices they make, I, I think sometimes are really, I don't think, I know sometimes they are taken for granted. And so um, I just want to take this time to really say thank you to, uh, to you for what you've done and what many of you are continuing to do. And so thank you very much. Um, the next thing is just to tell you, you know, you can see the baptismal uh, set up over here. So that would indicate today we're having baptisms. Um, and so I want to encourage you today that uh, today is, again, a celebration. Uh, there are some people here who came today knowing that uh, they would be baptized. And uh, so we're going to celebrate that. But the whole message today is going to be geared around baptism. And for some of you, you may recognize during this message that your next step to take is baptism that you've come to faith in Christ, you um, are saved, right, because of your faith in Jesus. And so, but today maybe you realize that my next step is baptism. According to Scripture, after salvation, that is our next step. If that is something that God speaks to your heart, we want to give you that opportunity. So at the end of the service, you'll have that opportunity. We have got clothes for you. We've got um, the stuff you would need to be able to do that. We want to talk to you and talk to you about this decision uh, to be baptized, if that's a decision you make. Um, and I would encourage you, if you are in high school or younger, please talk to your parents before you get baptized so I don't get in trouble. Again, because that has happened, um, right? And so, but I'm kind of like, you know, if the worst thing I ever do is baptize someone, I'm doing okay, right? And so, anyway, um, so that'll be an opportunity. And I know for some of you, you've been in church a long time. You have maybe been in a relationship with God for a long time, and you hear, well, we're going to talk about baptism. But this is a message that 
should apply to all of our lives. Um, if you're not saved, then today you're going to hear the good news of Jesus. And, and we're going to talk about how that's represented in baptism. So for you, it's an opportunity to hear the greatest news that's ever been proclaimed. And that's about salvation through Christ. It's about how we can be made right with God through Jesus, even though we are sinful. And all of us are. For some of you that you are saved, you have a relationship with Christ through faith. Listen, you may realize again that your next step is baptism. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe that's your next step today. For those of you who are saved and you've been baptized and uh, you've taken that next step, then today should really be a day of celebration for you because you're going to be reminded of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. And so this this message that's driven around baptism is really driven by the gospel. And so it's going to be awesome as we look at this and are able to celebrate who God is, what God's done, and seeing who we were, but who we become through faith in Christ and celebrating all that he's done for us and now how we get to come to him and glorify him through our lives. So we're going to start this in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can do that. Um, and I want to read verses 15 and 16, then we're going to drop down to 21 and 22, and then we're going to read some verses from Luke chapter 4. It says, The people were waiting expectantly, and all were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And when they mention John, they're talking about John the Baptist. At this point, John the Baptist has come on the scene. He's baptizing uh, Jewish people uh, with a message of repentance. He's calling them to repent, to turn from their sin and to turn to God. And so he's baptizing them in the Jordan River. And it's, it's this message of turn your hearts to God. It's also a message preparing them for what is about to happen where Jesus steps into um, the scene and we begin to see what Jesus um, does uh, through his life and through his death and through the resurrection. And so this is John the Baptist speaking about John. And so they were wondering, maybe this is the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who's going to come and save us. Verse 16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Verse 1 in chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. This is after his baptism and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. 
Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. This is a side note, but isn't it interesting that Satan tries to tempt Jesus with authority when Jesus is the king of kings, right? Isn't it interesting to, 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 that Satan tries to tempt Jesus with splendor when he's the God of glory. And yet Satan comes at us in this way as if he can offer us something that is better than what God's already given. He's, Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, God, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. I want to pray again just as we've read God's word. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in our hearts as your living word um, pierces our hearts. God, uh, just move us to a place of freedom to respond to you, God, the way you prompt us to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, how many of you have ever sent a text or an email that got taken completely the wrong way, right? You sent it and, and, and you, you, maybe you meant it in a good way and it was taken very offensively, right? Because you can't really communicate. I know you got emojis and all that stuff, but you can't really communicate emotion perfectly through a text um, you, or, or through an email, and so I know we've probably all had that experience in some way where you send a text and it gets taken completely different than what you intended. It's like that, that you could send a very simple uh, question, like, what are you doing? And it can be taken in so many different ways, right? It could be taken as inquisitive, what are you doing, right? It could be taken as angry, what are you doing? It could be taken as frustrated. What are you doing? That was my best parent voice, right? What are you doing? It could be taken as friendly. Oh my gosh, what are you doing, right? <laughs> and so it could be taken all these different ways. We, we could, and, and so it can be communicated one way and taken another. One of the things I, I believe about baptism is that in a lot of ways it's been miscommunicated. There's a lot of messages that have been taken away from baptism or about baptism that haven't been uh, either communicated correctly or haven't been heard and applied correctly. And, and so I want to start this message actually looking at what baptism isn't. Because today, um, if you're going to be baptized, I want us to be clear about what baptism 
is. First, the very first thing that it isn't is it's not a promise to do better, okay? It's not a promise to do better. So, for instance, you don't need to come be baptized to try to make up to your wife because you're having trouble or vice versa, okay? Not that that's ever happened. But you also don't need to be baptized because you find yourself in a jam and now you're thinking, maybe if I'm baptized, God will do something to get me out of this. It's not a bribe to try to get God to do something to get you out of a jam. That's not what it is. It's not something to do because you have a guilty conscience. Listen, maybe if you've never had a relationship with Jesus and your conscience is guilty, the thing to do is to come to a place of salvation by faith in Christ so that your sin is taken away and he takes away the guilty conscience. Maybe if you're already a believer and a guilty conscience exists, then it's Maybe today is not the time to be baptized or rebaptized. Maybe today the thing is simply to repent of the sin, realize I can come back to my heavenly Father, that that sin is taken away from me in Christ. I don't have to live in this guilt any longer. But we don't get baptized as a promise to do better or to try to do better so God will do what we want him to do. The second misconception, and I want to be very clear on this one, it's actually bolded and in red in my notes because this is important. Baptism is not the way to salvation, okay? Baptism is a celebration of the salvation that's already taken place, all right? So the water, let me be clear, the water does not save you. It is grace working in your life, and the faith that comes from God's grace working in our life, that faith being in Jesus that saves us. Listen, today, if you're baptized and you go under the water and you come back up and you haven't put your faith in Jesus, then the only difference when you, then when you went under the water and when you came back up out of the water, the only difference is you were dry before you went under and you're wet when you come back up. Because the water doesn't save you. It's faith in Christ that saves you, that reconciles you to God. The third one, and this one sounds kind of harsh to begin with, but let me explain it to you. The third one is that it's not about you. It's not about me even at this point. It's not about us. In other words, baptism shouldn't point people to me. Ultimately, it should point people to Jesus. Ultimately, it is the message of the gospel that, that people should see. Also, baptism and, and salvation are not the end goal. In, in the church, we've kind of gotten into a place or into this rut that, that we've sort of seen baptism as the end goal. The end goal is not salvation or celebrating that and publicly professing that through baptism. The end goal is that the Holy Spirit works in us and through us so we fulfill the purpose that God created us for, which is to fill the earth with his glory through his image. And so that's the end goal. 
The fourth one is that baptism is not something that Jesus even created, right? That he, it didn't originate with, with just like Jesus once he started his ministry. And this is, this is pretty cool because baptism was taking place before Jesus comes on the scene as he begins his earthly ministry. The Jews would baptize Gentiles who were non-Jews, which is the vast majority of all of us in here. The Jews would baptize uh, Gentiles, these non-Jewish people, because the Gentiles were the sinners, right? They were the ones who were dirty or unclean. And so the Jews would baptize them basically as a statement that now they've come to the one true God. Now they've repented of their sin. We're going to baptize them so that they're no longer dirty, unclean people. And so they were doing this. This was something that they would do, but but, but what's interesting, and you read this with John, is he's baptizing these people, and these, he's baptizing Jewish people. And so there's a cool message that even before Jesus begins his ministry that John is proclaiming. He's telling us that all people are going to need what Jesus is about to provide that all people are sinful. He is preaching a message that God has given him of repentance and even the Jewish people are coming to be baptized. It was powerful. And so I want you to see that even before Jesus' ministry began, God was preparing the hearts of people so that they could recognize in Jesus the gospel that they could recognize in Jesus the message he's been proclaiming all along, that their hearts would be prepared to see in Jesus the, 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 the coming one who would save us, that they could even identify as we do now that there was a foreshadowing of Jesus as he was going to die and be buried, but he was going to rise again. And now through faith, the same thing happens to us, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We've been made, we've been made alive now with Christ, in Christ through faith. And so when we come to baptism, we, we celebrate literally that by faith in Jesus, I've now died with him, but I've also been raised to new life with him. I was spiritually dead, but now I'm spiritually alive in Christ. And we're celebrating that. And it was being foreshadowed, foretold, preparing the hearts of people even before Jesus began his earthly ministry. So I want to be clear about those things. Next, I want to really talk about what baptism is. The first thing I want to tell you is that baptism is a testimony of the gospel. It's a testimony of the gospel. It's when you come to be baptized and you go under the waters, you come back up. It's a testimony of the gospel that I put my faith in Jesus, that I've been made right with God, that just as I go under the water and come back up, that the water symbolizes my cleansing that happened through faith in Christ. Just as I go under the water and come up, it symbolizes that I've died with Christ and yet been raised. And it proclaims the gospel 
to people. It proclaims the gospel to the world. It proclaims the gospel and reminds the church, the body of Christ, the people of the gospel so that it's something that we celebrate. And listen, I don't think as Christians we celebrate enough. I don't think as Christians we remember what God's done enough. We don't remember who he is enough. I remember um, back in August, right before the high school football season started, um, my son was going to play his first, it was a Friday, he was going to play his first varsity football game that night. Um, Had been on the field a little bit, but it was going to be really the first time that he's really in the action. And, you know, I, I felt like he was probably nervous. I know I was nervous. And so I wanted to encourage him. Every now and then I'll send my oldest two who have phones, an encouraging message or, or tell them, you know, hey, I'm proud of you, I love you. And so I thought I'm going to do this. I want to really encourage him, kind of give him the motivational speech through text, right? And so he's at school, so I text him. I want to read the text I sent. I said, I hope you realize you belong on the field tonight. Rather than worrying about messing up or doing something wrong, expect to do something good on every play. If you expect mistakes, you will make them. If you expect success, you will have it. Before the game, get your mind on what you'll be doing and see yourself making the right reads in the right place. It will help you once you're on the field. The mental side is half the battle. If you get, this is the part, man, I'm pressing in right here, boy. If you get beat on one play, go harder on the next. Don't get down and don't give up no matter what happens. Play 100% from snap to whistle and give them more than they can handle in between. Chase the ball even if it's 30 yards down the field and make them tired of seeing your number. By this time, I'm ready to run through the paper and play a game. (laughs) If you want it more than the guy in front of you, you will beat him most of the time. You can do it if you believe it. Right? Mm. I'm like, we fixing to whip somebody tonight. So I sent him that text message and I'm waiting on a response and finally I get it. Okay. (laughs) It still cracks me up, man. Because as emotional as I am, you know, I, I was always the guy in football that's jumping around like, yeah, let's go, we're going to kill him, you know. He's like this the whole time. And so I sent him this big, long text message that you just heard, and I get back, okay. And, and I thought about that, and I feel like sometimes that's how we are with God, right? Not that I'm God, I'm not saying I'm God. But sometimes we're like that with God, right, that He's given us this message. He's given us this good news. Not only has he given it to us, we've experienced it. And it's almost like God is saying, look, even though you are sinful, I want you to understand something. I'm going to send my son. Now he has sent his son. He's saying, basically, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to take your sin. I'm going to take the wrath for that sin. I'm going to take the condemnation for that sin. I'm going to take the death that you deserve for that sin. I'm going to be seen as 
curse so that you can then be blessed with life and my presence. He's saying basically, look, I'm going to go to this cross and I'm going to die. You should have died this death. I'm going to go in a tomb for three days. And on the third day, because God has accepted my sacrifice, because I've done something you couldn't do for yourself, I'm going to come out. The stone's going to roll away and the tomb and the grave is going to be ultimately empty for the rest of eternity. And not only that, but I'm going to ascend back to heaven and I'm going to go back to heaven and send the one I promised you, the Holy Spirit to live in you, my very presence, my very being on the inside of you so that you can finally do what you were created to do. And if you'll hear my words and put my words into practice, if you'll believe it, then you can do it because I'm going to work in you and through you. You are my son. You are my daughter with who I am well pleased. I love you. Now, go get them, right? And then God tells us this, and we go, okay. And God's got to be going, what's it take, right? If you can see the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that he's taken our sin. Listen, that the one who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. I think we'd give God more than an okay. And see, when we come to celebrate baptism, it is proclaiming the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to the world. It's proclaiming that you recognize Jesus who he is. You recognize what Jesus has done. And by faith, I have accepted his sacrifice. I have submitted my life to him as Lord and Savior because when I see who he is and what he's done, the reasonable thing is to offer my life as a living sacrifice to him. And I come and proclaim that publicly. The second thing that baptism is, it is a, it's us publicly identifying with Jesus. Back to Luke 3, John tells us that one is coming who is greater than him, that he's not worthy to untie his sandals. He's that much greater, that he'll baptize us with the Holy Spirit. So John knows that the one who's coming, the true Messiah, he's not... He's not like us. He's way above us. He says, I'm not even worthy to do the action of a slave who would untie his sandals. I'm not worthy to do that. He's so much better. So can you imagine the, 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 the puzzled look that had to be on John's face when Jesus comes down into the water and goes, baptize me. It's like, you're the one I was talking about. I'm not supposed to baptize you. You need to baptize me. So why did Jesus, why was he baptized? He had no sin. This is one of the coolest things to me. Jesus was baptized not because he had been saved, but because he came to save. He was baptized to identify with us in our humanity. It was basically God saying, I am here to walk in your shoes. I'm here 
to walk in real flesh. I'm here as we see in Luke chapter 4 that we read. I'm here to walk in the same temptation that you walk in. I'm here, in other words, to identify with you. Not only to identify with you, but to enter into the struggle with you. To enter into a place where I have the same flesh. I face the same temptation. And that now I can do for you what you couldn't do because I'm going to take the sin on you and put it on me so that I can take it away from you and all you've got to do is say yes I accept it and we see it's us identifying with Jesus we're identifying with him why because he identified with us so now we don't have a high priest we don't have a savior who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses why because he came became human he put on flesh he walked in our shoes he knows what it is to 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 lose loved ones he knows what it is to face difficult situations he knows what it is to experience pain We'll never experience the pain that Jesus experienced if we put our faith in him that he experienced on the cross, the separation from God, the the torment of hell. We'll never experience that if our faith is in Jesus because he took it for us. And now we understand that he's walked in my shoes. He sympathizes with my weaknesses. He understands the temptation, yet he was without sin. He identified with me in baptism. I'm identifying with him. I'm saying this is my God. This is my Savior. He is my Lord. I see, I understand who he is and what he's done. And today I'm coming into these waters to let the world know that he's my God and Savior, the Lord of my life. So we publicly identify with him. We go under the water and come back up, raised from death to life, symbolizing the cleansing of Jesus' life in us, the blood that was shed on the cross, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. It's also us publicly being identified by God. So not only did Jesus identify with us and now we identify with Jesus, but it's also proclaiming that now I have become a son or daughter of God. It's recognizing that. What happened at Jesus' baptism? God spoke and he said, you are my son whom I love with you. I'm well pleased. See, at the moment of salvation, at the moment of faith, I hope you were able to realize in the power of God's grace on your life as he lifted sin off of you and infused you with the Holy Spirit bringing you to life. I hope you were able to hear and I hope you've heard since that God is speaking to us saying, you are my son, you are my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. We don't have to strive and strain to be accepted because the one who is greater, the one who is better has already put his acceptance on us. So we are identified as God's child. We're identified as his son, as his daughter. And I... 
as I talk to other pastors and, and college ministers on, on campus, with adults, with college students, with high school students, the one thing they say they see that is the biggest issue with people is depression and anxiety. If you've been around long, you know my struggle with depression. So I, I do believe this. There is a side of depression that can be physical. It can be a medical issue. There's a side of anxiety that can be physical. It can be a medical issue. But I really believe that the root of much of depression and anxiety, and really if you track it all the way back, all depression and anxiety comes back to a spiritual root. And it's a deception. It's a deception that tells me I'm not okay. Things may not be okay. So I'm all tied up on the inside. See, I believe that a lot of anxiety and depression exists because security in Christ doesn't. And today, if you are a believer in Christ, I want to remind you of God speaking over you, not just that day, but the book of Zephaniah, who was a prophet, tells us he sings over us, over his children. So it's not just at the moment of salvation. It's every day that God says, you are my son, you are my daughter, whom I love. I love. So we're publicly identified by God. I, I, I really, if we could grab hold of that and our security in Christ and who we are in him, I'm telling you so many of our issues will go away. The last thing that baptism is, is it's publicly being identifying with God's people, publicly identifying with God's people, the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 tells us that we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. So when we come to baptism, it's also us saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the body of Christ now. When I came to faith in Jesus, I became a part of the body. I'm one with the body. I'm one with the people. It's recognizing that our purpose is greater than me and that my purpose is tied up in Christ and his church, the people. Next question I want to answer is why should you be baptized? Well, I think we've probably heard enough of that, right? Again, it's your identifying with Jesus. When you realize how Jesus identified with us, what he did on the cross, the life he's given us through faith in him, why wouldn't we want to be baptized? Why would we not want to come publicly and profess that? I understand some are embarrassed, some are shy. Listen, think about what Jesus has done and who he is and draw strength through that to take that step. Another reason we should be baptized is simply because Jesus said so. If you've come to faith in Christ and haven't been baptized, listen, it's one it's, it's a next step that you really don't even need to pray about. Why don't you need to pray about it? Because God, God said it so clearly in his word that the next step after salvation is baptism. The last reason is that maybe you need to get your baptism on the right side of the cross or on the right side of faith, right? Because some of us were baptized in a place where we really weren't believers, but we were baptized, but 
When we look at scripture, people were baptized when they came to faith. And some of us were baptized. In fact, this was something that uh, I experienced when I was baptized at 17. I realized later, like, didn't even know, didn't even realize I, you know, didn't know the Lord. I was baptized. So one day before we did baptisms on Sunday, I was setting up the baptismal at the high school. It hit me. I'm like, you know what? I've never been baptized as a believer. So I jumped in there. A guy named Don Baldwin, who used to work here, has passed and has gone to be with the Lord, baptized me in the parking lot with about four people there. So I wanted to get it on the right side of the cross, on the right side of faith. Some of us were baptized before faith. The Bible teaches us to be baptized once we've come to faith. When should you be baptized? Acts 2.41, Peter uh, preaches this message of salvation. It says 3,000 people came to faith. It says they were baptized after, right after they came to faith in Christ. Acts 8, 34 to 38, uh, Philip is uh, sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch. This eunuch realizes uh, who Christ is. He comes to salvation. There's water there. He says, Why can't, you know, what's keeping me from being baptized? As soon as he came to faith, Philip baptizes him. In the water. Acts 10, 46 to 48, uh, Peter preaches the gospel to Cornelius' family, a, a, a Gentile, a centurion. He preaches the gospel to him and he comes to faith. He proclaims it to his whole household. The household comes to faith and then it says they were immediately baptized. Acts 16, 29 through 33. Listen, there's a jailer. Paul and Silas are in prison. They're locked up. There's an earthquake. God sends this earthquake and it breaks the shackles off of their feet. The jailer thinks they've all escaped. He's about to fall on his sword because he feels, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is what I deserve. Paul cries out to him, don't do that. Listen, um, we're still here. He comes and falls at the, the feet of Paul. He says, what must I do to be saved? It says that uh, Paul tells him, you know, believe in Jesus. So they go, they preach this gospel to his whole family. His whole family receives Christ. And it says they were immediately baptized. When are we baptized? Once we come to faith. 